1: You're listening to the Unfiltered Life Podcast with Charlotte Jonesy.
0: Hey everyone, it's Charlotte Jonesy here, the Women's Coach. Welcome to the Unfiltered Life Podcast. On this show, I'll be sharing the highs and lows of life with helpful hints, tips, and experiences. I want to inspire you to step outside of your comfort zone, to turn your pain into purpose, and create your own version of success. As a life coach, mindset mentor, and mum, I am passionate about helping women through life challenges. My guests and I will get uncomfortable so that you can feel comfortable bringing you a real honest and unfiltered view.
1: This is the Unfiltered Life Podcast with Charlotte Jonesy.
0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Unfiltered Life Podcast. So today I've got Sophie Hanna, and she is a viral content queen. You can find her smashing it on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube with her colorful hair tutorials, unique fashion videos, and lifestyle updates. She's also a wifey and a dog mum to Luna and Shadow. Just recently, Sophie opened up about her mental health journey to her millions of followers to help other people. Not only this, she's been a fabulous friend to me over the years, and I've personally seen the transformation in her. Today, we're gonna chat about mental health, childhood trauma, and being confident with who you are with an added bonus on how to go viral. First of all, I just want to say how proud I am of you. I'm a very proud friend. I know that you've overcome a lot in your life and you've become very successful in what you do. And you are the epitome of my own life coaching slogan, which is turn your pain into purpose. Like we do on this show always, I'm going to go straight in. We're going to go in deep, straight away. Okay, (laughs) It's going to be unfiltered. I'm cool with that. Let's do it. Which is amazing because I know the Sophie that wouldn't have done this years ago and you wouldn't have Mm -hmm. gone this. So this is actually quite special because you've only just recently opened up about your mental health. You started a mental health series online. So
1: what made you create this series? Um, I think, well, through getting mental health help and getting counselling myself, I actually never knew I needed it. I went And seeked counselling because I was having personal kind of family issues that I wanted to talk to somebody about. And I kind of wanted someone to diagnose my mum. I have a bit of a tricky relationship with my mum. And I wanted someone to kind of diagnose her so I could feel like, oh, that's why she is the way she is. But in doing counselling, I realised actually I've got a lot of issues in myself. I never really realised I had. I'd find myself in a lot of situations and it's, it's always very negative whether I, it was anger, upset. And I didn't realise that my childhood had affected my adult life and I'd kind of grown up with reacting to situations in a certain way. And there was a reason why. And I think discovering that, learning about myself and kind of going on this journey, like I've done counselling for a year and a half now, I'm just starting to kind of come out the other side and I can see that it's worked for me. So I think because obviously of lockdown life and coronavirus life, obviously everyone's spending a lot of time at home. Some people live on their own. We're away from family, friends, mental health. I read a stat the other day, I think it was in the Telegraph, that one in four young people are suffering with their mental health now more than ever. So I just sat there and I thought, well, I'm going through it. I've been through it. I'm experiencing mental health and counselling and how it's helped me. I've got a channel, I can reach thousands of people. People see me as, you know, being very influential. I thought actually I could do something quite important with my channel and speak about something that could actually help loads of people right now. And I think a lot of us are wanting help, but maybe people are a bit too scared to to seek that help. You know, it's a really big thing to say, I need help. And to admit it, you know, I had you girls, I had you and Paige, that I would talk to about things and you always supported me and you kind of made me feel that talking about mental health is a normal thing, absolutely normal to get counselling, absolutely normal to get help. And I think by having you girls there supporting me, it made me take that big step. And a lot of other people don't have that in their lives. They don't have that friend that they can talk to. So if I can just be relatable for someone and give them that little push that they need to, you know, better their life, then I think that's quite an amazing thing. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. So what was like the response that you got from it? Was it quite positive? I'd say 80% positive, 20% negative. I mean, you're always going to have negative opinions with anything you do online. And it is a hard pill to swallow. And I actually spoke to my counsellor about this because it did upset me. You know, I had a lot of positive messages from people saying that it was an amazing thing that I was doing, opening up about my experiences, my trauma, my childhood, their suffering or they were really keen to listen to my experience because they were thinking that they might need help. But then I did have messages from people saying, it's very dangerous talking about mental health online. People are going to take your experience quite literally and think, well, if Sophie's done it and that's happened for her, that can happen for me. And, you know, obviously I could see their point, but I thought, I feel like I'd be doing more good than damage, And obviously, as an influencer, I'm very careful with how I speak online. You have to be. You have to be very wary about how you word things. You know, I have got a lot of young people that follow me. I think we all have to be careful being online because someone can take something. And I mean, the cancel culture is rife right now. So I think as an influencer and... I think you do have to be very careful about what you say and what you do online. Yeah, I, I just felt it was an important thing to talk about. And I spoke to my counsellor about my feelings and that I had negative messages. And she said she wondered whether I got upset because someone was talking negatively and it was about me. Like normally if someone's saying, oh, I don't like that eyeliner or I don't like that makeup. It's like, well, I like it. And... That's all that matters. But I was actually putting myself on the line, putting my own experiences out there, and someone was being negative about that. And she said, I got upset about it and took it to heart because actually it's about me personally, which was interesting because I hadn't really... I I didn't know why I was getting upset, so it was good that I could talk about that in my counselling session. Yeah,
0: and I think quite a lot of influencers actually shy away from speaking about topics like that because... They're worried about the backlash or what people are going to say or that they haven't said things in the right way, or you're doing, like you said, more damage than than yeah. good. But like you said, it's 80%, 20%. So the 80% is going to be the people that you want to reach, really. And the 20%, yeah. they're always going to be negative people online, especially with your following. You're always going to have those people, aren't you, that are going to have something yeah. to say. And it's a really interesting way that you're counsellor actually said that to you just speaking of like ne- negativity online because you you have got it and you do get it quite a lot but just talk us through it like how do you deal with it
1: it's a hard one because it totally depends on how i feel that day so like if i'm having quite a positive day and feeling good about myself and i post a video or something and if i get a one or two comments i might be able to just brush it over and i'll just delete it sometimes at the moment especially you know we're in lockdown we're struggling every day so it's very up and down I mean I know myself I've been going through waves of feeling positive and then not and and it's hard at the moment because we don't really know when we're coming out of this um Mm -hmm. but yeah so now it's it's difficult when I get something online and I'm having a bit of a bad day it's hard to let it go and and also a lot of people say we just don't read it but I read my comments. I engage with my audience. I love to see their comments. I want to reply to them. I want to know that I've acknowledged their comment and that they're being listened and heard of because at the end of the day, you know, I wouldn't be here without them loving my content. So I want to give something back to them and I think they appreciate me replying and liking all of their comments. And so sometimes I think when people comment, I don't think they realise I'm going to read it. Sometimes it will be negative and I will comment back and I will say, oh, well, I didn't actually mean it like that or I didn't come across like that and to be honest half the time they say oh my god I'm so sorry I didn't mean it to come across that way so I think maybe it's just themselves not writing the message out in a way that they've actually stopped to think how it could come across they've just gone quick fire so yeah most of the time you know they will apologize But it is hard. Like I've had comments before about my eyebrows and I've sat upstairs and I've cut my eyebrows. And I think, why am I sitting here cutting my eyebrows when I actually like them? But you're trying, you feel like you've got to please your followers Mm. sometimes. It's it's really difficult. And I have struggled with it. I feel like at the moment I've been quite good, apart from obviously talking about the mental health thing and having negative comments about that. And sometimes it's difficult because you feel like you want to fight your corner. You do just need to just let it go, but it is very difficult. Just going back to what you said about your
0: mum earlier, that you haven't really had a good relationship with her. Um, We've both grown up with childhood trauma. That's something that we found out about each other quite early on in our relationship, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And we've unfortunately got triggers and conditioning that we've had to work through because of our mums. And after years of therapy myself, I'm able to talk about my past in confidence now. And it's kind of like I can't part it because, yes, it happened, but I've dealt with it and I'm okay with it now.
1: Yeah, it's um, really good that you
0: can do that. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, can you tell us a little bit more about this and how you've managed to kind of overcome it or where you're at with it and how you've dealt with your trauma?
1: It's definitely something I'm still dealing with it's been tricky because of lockdown i've not actually been able to kind of put what i have learned in counseling and therapy to practice because i've not actually been able to really see my mum and be around her so it's it's a tricky one i'm still definitely learning um but i mean i've definitely learned what my triggers are i've got a lot of triggers in terms of feeling left out is a key one which stems from childhood Middle child syndrome is really a thing. <laughs> it, it is a thing. And yeah, just feeling left out with friends and things I've struggled with, and just learning about how it comes from childhood, being you know, the middle child and having my brother and sister and feeling a bit left out in that situation. Like I remember my mum told me a story that I would sometimes I'd go out with my dad on my own, because obviously my parents were divorced when I was younger. My my dad passed away 10 years ago, but I used to go out by myself with my dad. And whenever my dad would bring me home, mum would say, oh, did Sophie have a nice time? And dad would say, well, she did. But she was constantly saying, what's Liam and Katie getting up to at home? What are they getting up to? What are they doing with mum? And I was like, I've never known that. And it's so interesting because... I was with my dad and now I think, gosh, I should have been enjoying that time with my dad, obviously, you know, because he's not here now. But I was so wrapped up in what my brother and sister were doing at home with my mum. So even then I can see that I had feelings of being left out. And that's just obviously, I brought that into my adult life. And yeah, I just always have had feelings of being left out with friends, in situations. And it's difficult for me to speak up as well, to, to voice that. But I'm learning and that's something that I've kind of do a lot more now. Yeah, loads of other things. I've got triggers with anger. Like I can go from zero to 100 so quick. But that's because living with my mum, she suffered a lot with her anger. Whenever she reacts to situations at home, she would go from zero to 100. She sees red and she can't really look at a situation and think, hang on a minute, why am I getting like this? But now I know what my triggers are. If I am going through a situation where I have a trigger, I can now sit there and think, oh, I'm triggered here. Okay, let's sit down and think, why am I feeling upset? Why am I angry? Okay, right, let's see how we can turn this into a positive and not let myself go to that place. Sometimes it's difficult because I go to that place of feeling anxious or feeling like I'm going to have a panic attack without me even having... I can't even take a breath to even stop to think, oh, I'm going to that place. I've already gone there. So it's trying to get myself out of that place. It's difficult to do, and it's all in your head. It's just all about your mindset and asking. Like, I kind of weirdly counsel myself when I'm having those triggers by asking myself questions that my counsellor would ask me. Like, why am I having it and trying to break it down? I'm still learning. I still have triggers and I still react. I think with my mum, it's going to take time because... I'm not ever really going to be able to put to test what I've learned until I can really spend time with her properly. I'm the same so because my mum's always been reactive as well.
0: And, um, you know, well, she was an alcoholic and I saw that kind of behaviour. And Mm. it's only now I'm in a really healthy relationship that Matt has pulled me up on certain things. It's like you you just react. And I've had to learn to kind of pause and take a step back before and like think before I actually do it but because it's like this conditioning as a child you see it and you take it in
1: that's how you've learned like that's anger for you is to react that's that's the thing I think it's so difficult when it's ingrained in you that's how you've lived your life stuck in a house with that going on and that dynamic you won't ever not like you, you won't ever change completely. We will always be there because that's normal for you. It's just using your mind and your techniques to stop yourself from going to that point. But I can't imagine me not ever going there. I'm always going to go there because it's so natural. It's happened to me for, well, I'm 30 now and I've had 30 years of it. How do you then suddenly not like that's you, that's you as a person so, yeah, it's difficult. It's just all about your mindset and asking questions and stopping yourself, but it is it is hard. And sometimes, like, I'm still learning triggers as well, even now, because sometimes I think, oh, hang on a minute, that's triggered me. Oh, I didn't realise. And then, obviously, I'm glad I still have therapy so I can bring it up with my counsellor the next time I have a session and we can break it down. And then do you find that the self-awareness is just, it's so helpful?
0: Like, one of the oh, things that so I learned helpful. through therapy is... Yeah just having that awareness, like you said, you can't stop yourself from going there sometimes, but you can have the awareness of it. And actually yeah. then you know how to deal with it and cope with yeah. it after you've done it. Yeah. So like I used to be really stubborn, that probably didn't help in my really unhealthy relationships, but it didn't help me get to a good place. And then it would end up in a negative spiral and it would carry on like yeah. that. And again, it was a trigger because it was the same conditioning as what my mum was in, like with her relationships yeah. throughout my childhood. So I was copying the same behavior, but now I realized that actually I need to just pull it back and go, do you know what? I'm really sorry for the way I spoke to you in that situation, but I need this from you. So, like, yeah. it's, it's just balancing it, and I've had to learn those kind of techniques when it comes to, yeah. like, relationships.
1: Definitely. It, it, it's hard, and it's such a learning curve, but I definitely think, yeah, having more awareness and also just knowing where those triggers come from, and, like, for both of us, it is childhood, and just learning and linking and making those links. It does kind of – it's weird because I never knew I had these issues. I never knew there was anything – I just thought I was me and that was that. But now it's like, actually, I, I can make a life better for myself. I don't have to be upset. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to have panic attacks. I don't need to be angry. I just need to make these situations best for myself. I can do that for myself. I just need to, like you say, pause, break it down, think about the situation differently. And I think... That is actually what has helped me be able to talk to my mum again. So I didn't talk to my mum, like, you know, for a year and a half, which I opened up about in my mental health video on YouTube. And I am going to do another video talking more about my relationship with my mum, because that's kind of mainly where my issues come from. But it wasn't until I had more self-awareness about myself and where my triggers came from that I thought, actually, if I've learned that about myself hang on a minute. why does my mum react in that way? Where do hair issues come from? So then I started looking, like, how I looked at myself and how I broke down kind of my triggers and everything, I started looking at my mum and her triggers and her trauma and started making little links. Then I thought, oh, my God, like, actually, it's not my mum's fault. I blamed her for so much stuff, but actually it's nobody's fault. She's grown up in a house with her mom and her family. And she's had situations and experiences, which has made her the person she is today. And that's why she's the way she is. So until I, you know, I had to work on myself first to be able to see that with my mom. But as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh, I need to give her a chance. So that's what made me Talked to my mum I said let's meet up I want to talk to you like I've never been able to talk to my mum before she's never sat and listened to me and the first time we met up after obviously not talking for a year and a half she sat and listened to everything I said took it all on board even said the word sorry which never comes out of her mouth and I said stuff to her that she's never heard me say like I said to her like I'm scared of you she was like you're scared of me She was like, what do you mean you're scared of me? I said, well, you're scary. Like, you know, when you react, when you're angry, you're scary. And I think actually for her to sit and listen was a big thing, but I'm glad she did because it made her realise actually, wow, I didn't realise my children felt that way about me. And I think that's helped her and me start to rebuild our relationship again.
0: And how do you feel about it now? Like, how is it? How did that make you feel after that talk?
1: I mean, I was so nervous and so anxious. And even now, I, I, it's a natural thing to me. Like, I would always get anxious before I talk to my mum about anything because normally, if I would talk to her about anything, she would flip, get angry, blame me, and make me feel really small. So it's still there. I still get those worries when I talk to her. But afterwards, I just felt relieved. I felt so relieved that I'd said everything that I wanted to say. And I, I was grateful that she'd actually sat and listened to me um, and took everything on board. Like, I was so surprised. I was like, she didn't get angry. Like what is going on? Who is this woman? Like, she's not my mum at all. And she's not had counseling or anything like that. So I don't know why suddenly she wanted to listen. Maybe, you know, not talking to me and my sister for a year and a half she had a lot of thinking time. I don't know. Um, but I'm glad, you know, she did sit and listen that one day and we've been able to kind of move forward. And actually, I am now so much more open with my mum than I've ever been before. And I will pull her up on stuff and I will say things. And I still get a bit of a, oh, am I going to say this? But I just go and say it. And I say it in a very calm way way because I think one of my mum's triggers is she, she was bullied when she was younger and I think if you raise your voice to her she takes it as you're attacking her when actually I'm not at all but so I'm trying to be careful in the way that I say things to her so I keep very calm now and she sits and she listens and I'm like this is weird but you know it's the start of our new relationship now and even she said you know we need to just put the past behind us and just move forwards and you know we we, I always keep saying to her let's be open with each other let's talk about our feelings let's bring everything up and she's even actually implementing things that I've said to her in her household now with my younger sisters and she sits them down and has dinner and says right let's talk about what what's everyone's feeling like today does anyone want to voice anything yeah and I'm like "What what is this what is going on so it's amazing that, you know, she's not getting counselling, but she's listening to what I'm saying and she's taking it on board to try and make things a little bit better in her household with my t- younger siblings now.
0: Do you think as well, I, I always say to people, you need to look inward, you need to look at your behaviour as well, because when you're resentful and you blame other people, you put all of the blame on them. And the way that you talk to them is completely different to the way that you would talk now that you've got more self-awareness. So like, because I always say, oh, what could I have done better? And now when I ask myself that question, especially if I've gone from zero to a hundred because I'm being reactive, I go, what could I, what could have I done better? And what do I need from them? So probably because you've gone through this process as well, just correct me if I'm wrong, it's probably you're able to speak to your mum in a different way because you don't have those, resentful blame feelings anymore
1: yeah definitely I definitely agree yeah I think that's the thing before and also I always felt like I'd done something wrong
0: just moving on from speaking about your mum let's talk about for anyone else who's kind of going through like a similar situation or they're struggling with their mental health especially during this time what would you say to those people right now
1: I would say hang on in there and I think getting counselling and seeking help was the best thing I've ever done for myself and it is the hardest thing to do if you have a friend maybe or someone that you could open up to first or message me like I'm happy to you know listen to people's experiences but I honestly do think you're not being selfish by focusing on yourself and you shouldn't feel like you're a failure by seeking help So I know, you know, a lot of people probably would sit there and think, oh, I can't seek help, I feel like a failure, you know, I should be feeling like this. And it's okay to feel down, it's okay to feel upset, it's okay for a situation to make you feel a certain way. But I think more so than ever, if you need help, get help. There's so many hotlines to ring. You could do it over the phone, you could do it face-to-face. My counsellor actually told me about this amazing website. It's like a counselling directory, and you can type in your location, you can pick the person that you want, whether you want male or female, whether you want it online, face to face. And yeah, you can pick what a person that you feel comfortable with. And I just think seeking help was the best thing I ever did. And I know that it would benefit a lot of people.
0: I think therapy is so much more accessible now as well. Like, yeah. I mean, when I went through therapy, God, this was like three or four years ago now. And I still have therapy top ups because I believe that you need to constantly still train your mind because otherwise Mm. it goes back to old past patterns. Like we were just talking about triggers and they still pop up, even though you have got over them, you understand them, you know how to work with them. They will still pop up. And then sometimes you actually just need like top up sessions. But I found my therapist years ago and this was um, online. It was called Psychology Today. And that you literally put your postcode in You find all of the people You inquire based on their skill set Or an area that they specialize in And I had loads of different phone calls from them The ones that I was just put off straight away Is when they spoke about money straight away I was like, you don't care about me enough (laughs) (laughs) Whereas the one, you know, I won't mention her name But she was absolutely incredible And she's changed my life Because she listened She just listened What I had to say. I was in a bad place at the time. Um, My mum had tried to commit suicide again, and this was quite a long way after her recovery. So, this Mm. is why I, I had to go into therapy. Anyway, she listened to me and. That was the reason why I went with her. And you know what? I think you experienced this, Soph, where you had one counsellor and you were like, no, they're not for me. I think you tried someone, didn't you, at first?
1: Uh, no. So I originally I... thought my first counsellor wasn't for me. Oh. Yeah. Because, like my counsellor I have now. But it was only because... I didn't go in there seeking help for myself. I went in there because Mm. I wanted someone to diagnose my mum. And so after my, like, I had sort of four or five sessions and I was like, right, this is ridiculous. Like, she's not telling me that my mum's got mental health issues. Like, why am I even doing this? And I thought, well, no, just stick at it. It'll be fine. But then I gradually just realised that I needed help and I just kept going. I just kept persisting with it in the hope that it would help me. And it was so hard, but... I'm glad I stuck at it because it really did help me. And actually I get on so well with her now and I appreciate everything that she's done for me. And it, and also I think, you know, you say some, it's amazing when a counselor listens to you. And I think a few messages that I've had from people is that they, they're scared by what they're going to talk about. They're going to be judged and someone's not going to listen to them properly and really take on board what they're saying and judge them. And the things that I have told my counsellor, and she has not judged me once. Like Sometimes she has to sit there and not laugh because I sit there and I laugh about some things that I say because I think, oh, my God, what I'm telling my counsellor right now is so embarrassing. Like she must think I'm so weird. She has no judgment. She doesn't judge at all. She keeps so neutral. It's not their job to do that. So I think a lot of people are scared about what other people think, which is such a natural thing. But actually, they don't judge you at all. You could say the the most craziest situation, and they will sit and still listen to you, and not even say a word. It's such this a is, safe space.
0: Yeah, this is actually the same with life coaching as well. So, so I had a client that thought I was going to judge her based on, you know, just what she was telling me. And by the end of it, and she was like, "I just think you might go away and think this of me." And I said, "I just asked her this question: Who's judging you?" And she said, well, everyone. I said, no, who's judging you? Oh, it pinged. It was like me. The only person that's actually judging you is yourself because you're the one that has these thoughts in your brain. You're the one that tells yourself a certain thing or your negative voice comes up and tells you that you're not good enough to do that. And that's what she's thinking of you. When actually yeah. she's probably not even thinking that whatsoever.
1: They've got their own life to sort out and they're thinking about themselves in whatever's going on with them. Yeah. Yeah. One of
0: the biggest things that stops people from achieving their dreams or getting to where they want to be or how they want to feel is fear of being judged. 100%. That is the, one of the biggest denominators.
1: It's so sad, I- isn't it? Social media, though, is difficult because there's a lot of comments thrown about lots of topics being discussed and people are judging people online so i do think it's difficult where now we're growing up in this social media world it's so difficult to not have that fear of judgment because it is there right in front of you and you can see it you know if you've got a support network around you you've got amazing friends around you that's what people should be focusing on i was just going to say anyone
0: that usually judges is based on their own conditioning and it's because their values don't usually match up with your values. Say for example, so if you're really quirky, you're really out there, you do really amazing styling videos and someone's the complete opposite to you. They just don't have the same outlook as you and they would think your styling videos are really wacky or just a bit too much for them to take their judgment will come from what they've been conditioned to think. Yeah. So their comment, which nobody should be commenting on anyone's, but you're right. We do live in this kind of world. I've had comments about motherhood and what I should and shouldn't oh be doing. God, like yeah. the mum shame is actually really real it's on crazy. social media. It's a reflection. It's never ever a, a reflection on you. It really yeah. isn't. It no, is yeah, only ever a reflection on how they think and feel and I think that's where we have to like change our mindset sometimes because we usually think oh they're judging me based on like your eyebrows no 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 it's just because they don't like their eyebrows in that way it's nothing to do with what it looks like on your face they're your eyebrows do you know where I'm coming from with this it's the comments are only ever based on how they think and feel, nothing to do with actually what you are because you're a completely different type of person to the other person if they're going to judge yeah. you based on that.
1: Yeah, definitely. It, it's crazy when you say it like that and you put it like that. And also I think it, their own insecurities as well, maybe something that they might be a bit conscious, self-conscious about, they will come across like they're judging you to make themselves feel better.
0: Yeah, or jealousy. Like you know, bitterness, jealousy—that also comes out in people. That's a horrible trait to have. Oh,
1: I never understand that. Like, if I'm jealous of someone, I will say, "Oh my god, I'm so jealous of you!" Like in a chatty, casual way, because I think that's fine. You know, we can all desire to have something that someone else has got, maybe. And jealousy, I think, can give you a bit of drive. So I. Do see it in a positive way, but I never understand when people get bitter.
0: Yeah, and people that just make sly digs or comments about certain things. I just think keep quiet. Like yeah. it's their life. Just empower other people, empower other women because tearing each other down doesn't make you feel good.
1: Especially right now, like with lockdown, like we should be supporting one another, like everyone is going through their own um experiences and situations with mental health. They're struggling in so many different ways. And we are all different. Some people are working, some people can't work. Um, some people have lost their jobs. Some people have, you know, are losing loved ones. We are all suffering in our own d- different way. And one person shouldn't think, oh well you're worse than me. So or I'm worse than you. I'm worse than you. So you can't be suffering. Like we're all suffering in our own way. A lot of people try and compare themselves which I just think it's very unnecessary and it just doesn't help the situation we should be supporting one another regardless and i think it is hard to stop and put aside what you're struggling with to focus on what someone else is struggling with and be there for them it's so hard to do that but if you can do that then i just think you're an amazing friend to be able to do that to someone yeah
0: we took it all we brought them to our land Let's talk like life in lockdown, because like you just said, it's been really difficult for different people and everyone's circumstances and struggles are all relative. Like it just depends on who you are, what your circumstances are. Like someone in homeschooling, living with their partner 24-7 you know he's on the kitchen dining table always working and you're trying to keep the kids quiet while he's trying to do meetings yeah. and then you've got someone who's completely single alone not able to see anyone or get out and do the usual things like everyone is living their own journey through this lockdown yeah. I just wanted to talk about like how different this is from your usual life and how it's affected kind of your physical and mental health
1: I mean it's been tough especially i've really struggled last year when the lockdown first started i thought oh this is so nice i can just be at home i don't have to be going to london three times a week this is amazing like oh i just have a bit of a break from like leaving the house i don't mind this and then after a few months me and robin thought started focusing on our health we thought right this is a great opportunity restaurants are all shut we love eating out it's one of our favorite things to do Robin had just turned 30. I was turning 30 in October. We were having so many takeaways before lockdown. We were eating out all the time. We were eating so badly. We thought, let's just focus on what we're actually doing right now. This is a great time to focus on our health. So we started working out. We started eating better and we kind of did a bit of a fitness regime and we both felt, so good about ourselves felt more positive and it really got us through that first lockdown because we had a bit of a purpose something to focus on and then in summer it was a bit of a funny time because some influencers were still traveling some weren't and obviously being an influencer it's been difficult because I think last year I really learned that for the first time that being an influencer people really look up to you Like, I just see a number. I don't know how many people that is. I've never been in a room with that many people. But I think I really learned that what I say and do, people take quite literally. And so it's really important to be careful of what I say online and how I come across, because people can take that in the wrong way. And I think I learned that and I I never want to offend anybody. I love helping people. I feel like it comes quite naturally to me. I want my page to be where people can feel confident to be themselves, be individual, be unique, experiment with fashion and colour and come out of themselves. And that's kind of why I started my channel, really. And so it is difficult when, you know, there's a lot of topics last year that people talking about online. And saying influencers should talk about, every influencer should talk about that topic online. I was never talking about anything specific before, but now I'm starting to learn, actually, my channel is such an important space for me to voice my opinion about certain things. I want to talk about things that I am personally experiencing that I can speak about that's relatable So that's why I started talking about mental health, because it is relatable and it's a topic that I think is important and should be discussed. But yeah, lockdown life, I mean, we haven't been able to leave the house. I've been filming every single day. Physical health. I mean, I'm getting a back x-ray because I've got a stiff back from sitting up filming every day. I used to sit on this three pound stool from Ikea and I had to get physio. My physio was like, What chair do you sit on when you film? And I was like, Oh, just this little three-pound stool from IKEA. She's like, hang on a minute. Like, you might be redoing your back in from this. Because obviously, before I'd go to London a couple of times a week, I'd travel, I'd go to festivals, I'd be up and about walking around all the time. But obviously, being at home is really taking its toll on my back, I think. And so I've changed my chair, I've got a proper like. Um, ergonomic saddle chair now that I sit on it's crazy even thinking about your posture and walking around and how where you work and how different your lifestyle is can really change your physical health yeah (laughs) crazy and mental health I mean yeah it's obviously normally I travel And I normally I go to festivals, I get out. I have lots of different experiences. I meet people, you know, I work on my own pretty much. I've got Robin, but we're in separate rooms in the house. You know, we talk about work and things as and when we can. And then obviously in the evening, we kind of come together. And we have lots of walks. We do lots of walks together as well, which has been really lovely. Yeah, and not having the travel aspect, because for me, I always saw travel as my freedom and a bit of an escape. It's the only time I really kind of leave my phone And switch off. And I didn't have that last year. And for me, I really struggled. But then it wasn't until Christmas where I actually thought, you know what? I don't actually need to work. So I'm just going to put my phone to the side and not look at it. And I realised, actually, I didn't need a holiday. I didn't need travel to feel free and have that escapism. I actually just needed to let go. I needed to let go of work. I needed to just drop and to turn off my phone and just let go. And I had, yeah, it's weird, I had a bit of an epiphany over Christmas where I just felt so much more positive. I felt so much more myself. I felt like I had a proper break and I felt ready to take on the new year. And it was just such a change from how I'd been feeling the last couple of months before that.
0: That's good. It's good that you've like kind of come over that. Well, it just hits in the face, didn't it? And life just all of a sudden changed and we just had to adapt to it. Of course, it's really difficult, isn't it? And we are kind of going through the motions at the moment, but I think we just have to make the most of this time because we have to remember that it isn't forever. It won't be forever, but it feels like it's forever.
1: Yeah, it's so hard, isn't it? Yeah, and I think as well, the media, like... Like reading the media and stuff, you know, I like to keep up to date with it. But sometimes it's like, oh, I wish I hadn't have read that because that's kind of put me in a bit of a down space now. Because a lot of the stuff you read online, it literally changes daily. Like one minute they say one thing, the next day they say another. And you might be feeling positive one day, then you read something and it's put you down. It is difficult. So I do try and stay off of it as much as I can. Obviously, I like to keep up to date with what's going on, but I do try and... Kind of separate myself from the media a bit because it, it can have a bit of a negative effect on you. And I think that's fine. I think it's absolutely fine. If you need to switch your phone off, if you need to step away, me and Robin have been taking like hourly walks every day. We kind of, I leave my phone at home and we just talk about anything. It could be work related, it could be lockdown life, it could be something that's upsetting us. Like, and, and actually, being in this lockdown life has made me appreciate. Robin more my dogs more having my house it's made me appreciate life and I think at the moment I'm trying to instead of being stressed last year with work and working myself to the ground I feel like now I'm like right I need to take every day as it comes and try and make that day positive for me try and be as happy as I can be in that one day maybe do one or two little things that will perk me up like I love candle making at the moment. It's really therapeutic. It's satisfying. So trying to find a little bit of light in every day to just keep me going and appreciate that one day.
0: Absolutely. And I was going to say, I think my habits have changed. So initially when all of this was going on, I was watching the news every morning. I was switching on this morning to make sure that I was keeping up to date. And I just felt like that had such a negative impact on me. Like when I had Leo... I was switching it on and I, I was just listening to it while I was kind of like either feeding him or, and it was just kind of sending my mind into, oh, like a frenzy. It it becomes quite overwhelming when you're constantly looking at the media and the news and what's going on. And like you, I think it's really important to keep on top of it and know what's going on. Of course, like I think it can become overwhelming. And I think the way that you start your day is how you mean to go on. So something that I've developed as like new habits is I do not watch the news at all in the morning. If I do, it'll only be a snippet from like an article online. I don't like to actually visually see it or hear it anymore because it's too depressing. Like I just find that it, it doesn't work for me. Everyone's different. If again, if they can compartmentalise it and actually go okay that's happening boom and then move on I can't as an empath I take it in and it it sits there
1: I also think it's quite difficult to do that at the moment like I've I've, I mean I've seen a lot of the NHS staff saying like normally they must be able to compartmentalise their job but they're struggling to do that now I think like I sit and I think about we're recording this, we're like positive, happy as Larry. And then I sit and I think, oh my God, imagine being frontline NHS worker in a COVID ward. I think what they're doing is truly amazing. And I mean, I personally think they should be rewarded for it. I mean, I know it's what they want to do, but they didn't ask for this pandemic. And I don't think any of them have really probably experienced anything like it before. So it's crazy that, you know, they're clearly struggling, but they're pushing through and they're just continuing to do their job. And I think it's amazing and inspiring that we have, then doing that for us.
0: I really hope that, like you, they get rewarded for this because oh God, I
1: hope
0: so. The amount of petitions I've seen, you know, for their pay increase yeah. and which should absolutely happen. Because all of a sudden this money just come out of nowhere and everyone else is being paid while this is yeah. going on because they can't work. And then you've got the NHS working their asses off. And still not getting a pay rise. It's absolutely disgusting.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: But just kind of going back to what I was saying about morning routine, because I think it's really important because if you're switching on the news, that's the way you're going to set up your day. So now, like you, I actually don't look at my phone straight away in the mornings because... Again, something would pop up on Twitter or Instagram and I didn't want to see it. So I choose what I consume now, which is in the morning, I will literally put a YouTube video on that's actually either motivational or meditative or something while I'm feeding Leo. And that instantly kind of changes my mindset, even when I'm feeling like, you know, I've had a bad night or not slept very well. And instantly those kind of words and what you're feeding your mind and brain, does sink in and you're having a much more positive day. Just by doing that, you feel more motivated, you feel more inspired. And then, you know, I'll pick up social media and yeah. I have decided to just consume what I want. Uh-huh. So that doesn't mean scrolling endlessly all the time. It will, I will have limits on it where I go, right, I'll scroll now just to be inspired. That's yeah. how I see it. So you mentioned about Robin and how you're yeah. both in different rooms separate rooms uh Robin works with you how long have you been married now Sophie is it three years it'll be three years this year three years yeah I got it right
1: yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) and you know he's working with you full-time now he's part of Sophie Hannah the business yes
1: um
0: and I was just gonna you know how do you find the right balance for some people
1: it's hell working with their partners 24-7 so he's been working with me now for a year which actually worked out well because lockdown came and he would not have actually he was a freelancer before so he wouldn't have actually earned any money so it worked the timing wise it worked out great I hired him yeah so I have got my studio upstairs and I've got my office downstairs he will be in the office you know editing and I'll be up in my studio filming so it's completely two separate rooms and I tend to be in my studio filming until at least lunch And then I'll come down, I'll join him. And then he kind of spends the afternoon editing. In the morning, he might be pottering around, making sure the dogs don't run upstairs if I'm filming something, taking deliveries. And then, yeah, in the afternoon, when I can kind of do more admin stuff, he will do editing. And even then I can either be in the kitchen, I can sit in my office when he's editing. So we're lucky that we have a nice big house to be able to get away from each other if we need to. (laughs) But I think it probably would be very intense if we lived in our old house working on top of each other because I mean I was used to filming my kitchen then. So then that that dynamic of filming in the kitchen, he wouldn't be able to come in and get a drink. Like it just wouldn't work. But it works. It works now and we both work out together, we go for daily walks, like it's we kind of have like little like business meetings. Like, it's actually nice to be able to not be by myself anymore. I, as much as I hate to admit that I need help, I actually like to have someone there so I can talk to them about an idea or an email. Like, I might say to everyone, oh, how should I reply to this email? It's nice to just have someone else's opinion. You know, you feel like you've got support rather than just being completely on your eye, because I manage myself now as well. So, obviously, I've taken on that role of doing emails, reading through contracts so it is great that Robin now helps with the editing and takes that off of my hand so I can concentrate more on like the managing kind of side of the business
0: yeah and you've been with Robin for 13 years is it this uh, year 12 In total, uh, Twelve. 12. 12. <laughs> yeah. I love how you took years. a long pause you were like
1: yeah um, I, I forgot because no, it was it was the other day <laughs> and I was like no it's 12 yeah 12. yeah
0: what's the secret
1: of staying with someone for 12
0: years I
1: don't know, we we get along really well. He is a great listener. I think that's quite key. He's a great listener, always, you know, supporting me with what I do. Um, Even throughout counselling, actually, after every counselling session, he'll always say, oh, how did it go? And I'll tell him about it because it actually helps him learn more about me and why I am the way I am. And even now, like, he'll mention things to me like Matt probably has done with you, oh, hang on a minute, you reacted like this there, and he picks me up on stuff now. And I'm like, hang on a minute, I, don't, I didn't realise I was coming across like that. Oh, whoops. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but it's different when it comes from someone like that, because then you actually sit and think, oh, oh okay, wow, I didn't realise I was coming across like that. Okay, right, well, that's something I need to focus on, I need to bring up my counsellor. So, yeah, it, I think it's definitely me getting counsellors definitely made us talk a lot. More And also with lockdown as well, we're with each other 24-7. Sometimes we have deep chats about stuff. So it's nice that, you know, he's very open and we we will talk about anything and everything and there's not really any judgment there.
0: Yeah, it's really nice. And also it's probably built your relationship up. I think that lockdown can either make or break couples, especially, you know, it can either you want to kill each other or it can actually give you that, time together that you never did did have like we're the same we have like serious deep chats
1: now especially when we go on
0: long walks the conversation just keeps on flowing doesn't it
1: yeah yeah I said this yeah because I spoke about this to my counselor the other day that you know we've been having these hour-long walks and we'll talk about loads of different things and she said well you know you've got time now whereas if you know lockdown had never happened if coronavirus wasn't here me and Robin would be working so fast-paced We'd be travelling, then a festival, and then I'd be filming, and then I'd need to do that, and we wouldn't actually talk. So it has been really nice to actually get closer in terms of speaking on a deeper level than compared to if normal life was around. We probably wouldn't even be talking about certain things.
0: yeah. Just let's move on to you going viral because you have had many viral videos. Um, I'll never forget one that actually ended up Number like on the news.
1: N- <laughs> oh God, is it the Nostra one? <laughs> yeah. Is it the nose hair? <laughs> yeah. I still get comments now, are you that girl with the nose hair? And I'm like, I love how that's how people will remember me. Or it's glitter armpits yeah it's either glitter yeah. armpits girl or nose hair girl and I'm like that's still gonna haunt me forever <laughs> do you know what it was it was I, I went through like a bit of a period where I just wasn't really sure what content to do and it was that time where everyone was trying to kind of create like crazy content with crazy quirky ideas and I was on Google like looking at uh crazy quirky beauty trends and it came up and it was like one day ago and I thought this is something that everyone's going to jump on because like there was like loads of different trends. And then, you know, if a trend, it's a bit like at the moment I did a pixel makeup look the other day, because a lot of people have been doing pixel makeup challenge looks like James Charles did it. And lots of other people have been doing it. So it's a bit of a challenge thing that people have been doing. And that happens quite a lot on Instagram. Someone will do something, someone else will jump on it and then everyone else kind of follows. So I just thought, well, this is one of those things that everyone's going to do. No, this is just something that you're going to do. And so I know it's ridiculous. So I did the video and then obviously, like, it went crazy. And then I started getting news, like, media coverage on it. And then I ended up on this morning with Ryland talking about me. And I was like, what have I just done? And then, by the way, no one else did a video on it. No one else stuck eyelashes <laughs> up their nostrils apart from me. And I thought, what? Oh my God, like, I completely i don't even know what I've done here. It was just ridiculous And then glitter armpits Again A lot of people Were experimenting With glitter Glitter tits Glitter balm I thought Oh hang on a minute Why don't we do Glitter armpits And I did that And again That went viral And it like Ended up in like Media and news coverage So yeah That's kind of What I'm known for now So
0: what's the trick To going viral then If someone wanted to Create viral pieces of content
1: I think I think You've got to be Just be yourself Have fun with the content And Obviously, it needs to be content that you know your followers are going to love because I think for a video to go viral, it needs to do well within the first hour, really. And obviously, that's reaching your following. And I think just create something engaging, eye-catching. Maybe, you know, you are doing something a bit outrageous or adventurous, something relatable as well. I think does well like I know when I did the Grinch at Christmas the Grinch is a great Christmas movie did the Grinch makeup did a bit of a kind of tiktoky scene of you know lip syncing and people loved it. So I think if it's relatable as well, it, it just does really, really well.
0: I absolutely love that content. I remember <laughs> like sitting there fire. on the <laughs> I remember sitting there on the sofa with Matt, just like, she's just incredible. But like I've never seen Sophie go into like an acting role. Like you literally
1: uh, did I, everything I, like him. Yeah, <laughs> I genuinely didn't realise I had some acting skills in me, but I do find it funny <laughs> doing the TikTok kind of lip-syncing stuff. And I sit there sometimes and I think. I, I, I sit there and I look at myself and I think, oh, what do I look like? And Robin's even walked into my studio before, like mid Grinch or mid kind of doing some crazy makeup. And he's just like, I'll just leave you to it. <laughs> he's like, what are you doing? <laughs>
0: so if someone wanted to be a successful full time influencer, especially now, what are your top tips?
1: Be yourself. You can film on your iPhone. You don't need the best camera equipment. Create content that you love like that you're passionate about. And I think just consistency. Videos tend to do much better, I find, than photos. But it totally depends on the person, whether they're confident in creating a video or whether they're happy doing photos. But I think consistency, post every day, do something you love. Nothing is unique anymore. You can't be Individual, I, I find it's is, is difficult. You know, everyone dyes their hair, everyone has a unique sense of style. So I just think just be yourself and it will come across to followers as being authentic. And I think you'll just build up a loyal fan base from just being yourself, I think, really, more than anything.
0: And that's something that you've done really well. And that's how you've built Sophie Hannah, yeah, as in I'd your love- empire, just being I'd- yourself, quirky. Yeah. And that's, I think people have related to that. But back in the day, I mean, when we used to colour our hair, I used to colour my hair, you still going for it. Um, oh, yeah. You, yeah, uh, it was quite different to do that and people weren't as confident to do that. But I think with yeah. the likes of TikTok now and seeing other people on social media, it's like, your vibe attracts your tribe, isn't it? And you see other people doing it and you think, oh, actually it's okay to do that. And people are more confident with being themselves. Definitely. Um, What would you say to someone who struggles with being themselves and letting out who they want to be, but struggle in the fear
1: of being judged or... Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's the fear of judgment, again, that's stopping them. I think you just need to stay true to who you are and... Also, I think it's an amazing thing being yourself and letting yourself dress the way you want to dress, dyeing your hair. Try it because it, I know a lot of people say things are holding them back and it probably is the fear of judgment, but just try it and see how you feel because I know that they will feel amazing and feel empowered. I think just just do a little test one. You know, you don't need to dye... If, if it's you've always wanted to dye your hair, go and grab one of those coloured sprays or get a wig... Try it out, see how it makes you feel, because I guarantee it will make them feel, you know, empowered, confident, and it will make them want to be themselves even more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And let's finish this off with what are the plans for you for the future?
1: So I think a few people have probably seen me mention a few little hints on social media. But something is coming this year for Sophie Hannah. Um, I don't want to give too much away Because I want it to be a big surprise I have been working on something for nearly a year now actually And it's exciting and I know everyone's going to love it And it's definitely worth the wait But yeah, something's coming
0: Very, very, very exciting I asked that question because I know what's in the works
1: Yeah, <laughs> I thought we were
0: going to get an exclusive, guys, sorry But it's no, coming, isn't it? It is and coming, yeah it's related to you.
1: It's very Sophie Hannah. I'm creating a brand, but I'm the founder of it. And the brand is very me, but it's not about me. I didn't want to do an influencer brand and call it after me. Like, I used to have Sophie Hannah Beauty. Obviously, people know that. I used to do my face jewels and glitter. And that was great. But I just wanted to create a brand where it's a community of people, where they can feel themselves, be individual, be confident. It's kind of what I stand for in a brand. It's going to be vegan, cruelty-free, sustainable, eco-friendly. Like I've tried to create an amazing brand that, you know, everyone can really relate to and it can be a community of people. But I, I don't want people to shop my brand because of me. I want them to buy into my brand because the brand's ethos and what the brand is going to stand for. So, yeah, it's exciting, but that's what I'm saying for now. And amazing product
0: as well. Amazing. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: just talk me through just quickly what's a day in the life of Sophie Hannah because you create so much content Sophie, and I'm like how do you do it all because there are so many platforms you need to be on these days. Just yeah. talk us through one day in the life of Sophie Hannah. I
1: mean I do ask myself daily how I actually do it. <laughs> I've actually taken a bit of a well, a chilled approach to this to this year. I've actually gone, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but I've actually gone to posting every other day instead of every day. Just because last year was was quite intense in terms of creating content. So I just wanted to take a bit of a chilled start to the year. But normally, you know, I will get up in the morning, I will kind of have a bit of a, Self-care, I will have a bath. I love having a bath. I like setting up my day. I'll have breakfast. And then I always film in the morning until about lunch. And that will probably, might be one video, maybe one or two, depending if I'm doing like a makeup look and then a hair tutorial. But I tend to just try and focus on doing one really kind of quality video. And then in the afternoon, Robin will edit it. I will do emails, invoicing. Um, I'll work out, take the dogs for a walk. Yeah, and that I kind of just repeat that every day, really. And I try and film at least one thing every day normally, but at the moment I'm trying to take it a bit more chilled at the moment. But yeah, generally I try and film one thing a day.
0: Amazing. And just the last question I ask my guests at every end of the interview, mm-hmm. how have you turned your pain into purpose?
1: Well, my pain comes from... I mean, my biggest pain probably comes from grief of losing my dad. And I think going through that and experiencing that has definitely made me more driven. It's made me kind of want to achieve great things in the hope, well, to make him proud. You know, I always think, you know, he's he's somewhere watching over me. And it definitely his death has made me well realise life's too short. And to, you know, really try and enjoy life and be selfish at times. It's absolutely fine to be selfish, put yourself first. And I've kind of used that pain to really push myself. And he owned his own business. And something that he always said was, he said he never wanted me to go to university. He was like, I want you to have your own business. And I have my own business now. So it's amazing that I've been able to push myself to do that. I never knew that that was going to happen. And it's something that I could do. But I've definitely used my pain of grief to push and drive myself to kind of make him proud
0: amazing and i'm sure he's definitely proud of you so like you've achieved so much mm-hmm. thank you for being a guest on no, my thank show you. i've
1: loved this i'm proud of you for doing this because this is something <laughs> that you've wanted to do for ages so i'm glad you're doing it and i'm excited for everyone listening in yes all right thank you Harden. bye thank you. Bye. bye this is the unfiltered life podcast with charlotte jonesy
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please subscribe, download and leave me a review. If you learned something new or just really enjoyed this episode, then why don't you share it with others by screenshotting it and sharing it on your stories and don't forget to tag me so that I can see it. If you're interested in life or business coaching with me or any of my programs, then please head to www.CharlotteJonesy.com for more information. Hope to speak with you soon. If not, I will see you in next week's episode. Lots of love.